And now, from Grid Square Echo Mike 48, this is 100 Watts and a Wire. Yes, sir. Hello to you. My name is Christian. My call sign is Kilo Zero Sierra Tango Hotel. And this is 100 Watts and a Wire, the flagship of um, our offerings here. We were an audio podcast in 2015. And then in September, we made the uh, jump to video, uh, much to the dismay of people who look at us. Steve is here, <laughs> W7UDI. Uh, from the Pacific Northwest. Good morning to you, Steve. Morning, Christian. Yeah, quite a uh, pre-show this morning. Various yes, topics from car mm. mechanics to uh, Texas and talking about all the things that are happening in the world right now. Uh -huh. And it's always a fun time uh, to gather with people. It's a nine o'clock central. I'll do a pre-show. It's fun for me because I can get into the chat. And then sometimes you read things that you shouldn't read about yourself like oh no like did he ever have hair like you know the great comments <laughs> like that but welcome to uh this ham radio talk show today we're going to be talking about you know the importance of building why we build mm -hmm. and i've mentioned before i was uh, licensed in uh geez what is it 2012 now and the only thing that i love building is antennas and i'm fascinated by the people who build kits and these radios and mm -hmm. you know and then there's a mixture of programming and and all, you know all the elements that go into creating new radios and all all kind of stuff like that so i i really am on the small and the fascination side of building i get it totally love it i just don't you know it just wasn't my i'm on this this side of the microphone but uh we'll meet uh, dave today november mike zero sierra and he's going to come and teach us some stuff i hope and we'll at least talk about why building is important mm -hmm. um did you fancy yourself a builder at all steve i know you love antenna making and things like that but oh yeah did you I've... ever get through the kits oh yeah done done kits uh i built a uh the last rash of kits that i built were a bunch of repeater controllers and i just sit down and go from there it uh start slapping them together you know, ordering the parts, well, ordered the kit, which was the board and the chips. And then I'd order all the other parts, the resistors, capacitors, and everything else that's needed and uh, sit down and just start soldering away and uh, done those and fashioned up, you know, different little gadgets and this and that and already kind of figuring out, uh, coming up with a simplified audio ptt switcher and then that i need to incorporate here with the with the radio so i can just use the one microphone and then just switch between the two radios it uh yeah i could probably find something that mfj makes and i could probably make it work but why not put something together and then i uh, a few other little odds and ends uh little things that uh will help enhance the station more enhancements and those are those little gadgets that are kind of nice to slap together so yeah there's there's they make some small kits you know oh, little, yeah, little things that just kind of kind of mm -hmm. get you started on soldering and, the, and those kind of things but yeah i i want to get there i want to get to burning uh building some i'm burning them down i guess <laughs> burning. I'm burning see that's my conscience you'll burn the house down don't get into this this Stop is it, not Christian. for you you're gonna leave burn it, the house down <laughs> leave it to professionals you can't even unplug the toaster <clears throat> you know oh, all these things God. that was my mom talking but this is uh this is david's site here 
yeah so there's lots of uh, kits out there just simple stuff that just you'll end up uh you know learning you know soldering techniques and uh and go from there all right i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna we're gonna start a little early i'll send you there i can see the uh, chat is very busy i'll send you there and we'll bring uh, up david and talk to uh david good morning sir it's good to have you here it's november mike zero sierra i just popped your site up here it's fascinating for me i think you've heard my uh my capabilities when it comes to building, but I, I like to talk to the people who really know uh, how to do these things. So good morning to you, sir. Hey, awesome. Good morning, everybody on online here this morning. Well, we have a, we have a bit in common here. I'm, I'm from Baltimore and you had a stint where you worked at Westinghouse in Baltimore. And uh, I won't ask you what you thought of the town. Cause I know you, le I left it too, but it is uh, did you become a sports fan at all when you live there? Uh, I'll tell you, I was moving into Baltimore, uh, heading down I-70, and there were all these Mayflower moving vans going the opposite mm. direction. That was the Baltimore Colts leaving town. I know. What a soft, sore spot. What a sad <laughs> day, right? What a sad uh, day. Yeah. I was just, uh, I was a little younger then, but I had been to Colts games, and, you know, we loved the Colts. It was kind of, and then it became, anytime you drive through uh, Indianapolis, you, you, my uh, my stepdad gives the finger to the stadium to this day on any trip back and forth. You know, it's, it's automatic. Um, but, you know, we were rewarded later in the 90s when we got the Ravens. So, oh, for hey. sure. But you you've had such an interesting career. Um, I don't know if you're still you're still working now. Are you still working? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I got some debts to pay. But uh, what's more, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. So. Yeah, it's I get paid for it too, so it's win-win. Let's let's walk through. I mean, I knew I was introduced to the hobby through my dad, who was into CBs in the seventies, and and I just thought the immediacy of this all is so just so cool. It was great. He could make contacts locally or somebody on the move. I didn't understand how how that would happen. It was just so great to be a kid and see these sorts of things, and it led to a career behind the microphone and i ultimately became licensed as a, an amateur radio operator in 2012 so building for me is just sort of this fascinating piece of you know a, a lack of understanding but a real appreciation when you were younger kind of when did you know that you would you had felt the need to put things together oh well i i started out making crystal radios when i was eight years old um I remember getting a quarter pound of magnet wire and uh, thought I was just the richest kid on earth. <laughs> yeah, okay, you know, grade school library has uh, Alfred P. Morgan, and I bet a lot of guys watching this morning have thumbed through this book and uh, gotten inspiration on building things. And, and Morgan was a genius in presenting these fairly advanced concepts in a way that would inspire a young person in preteen years that uh, he can go and build these things. And, and uh, the, the learning experience was uh, not mentioned, but an inescapable consequence. Now, was it radio? I mean, for me, hearing the radio, knowing about the radio, these airwaves, these voices coming out, was that the first thing you were pulled to or were you kind of building things 
you know, as a, as a small child? Well, um, I came of age just at the point when Legos were starting to make pen penetration. And, you know, that's, that's kind of the universal constant amongst all mm -hmm. young people uh, for building things. And I was drawn to uh, the electronic side of things. Uh, I, I received a Radio Shack Globe Patrol regenerative shortwave receiver. Uh, I think I was probably 11. And that really lit the fire for interest in radio-related things. So it wasn't exclusive to radio, but really radio was kind of at the root, would you say? Well, definitely not exclusive to radio. I mean, I had notions at one time of, of be, becoming an architect, but radio was kind of the constant that, that kept things going. And of course, remember, this is uh, uh, 1970s when uh, shortwave was really at its prime and you could uh, put a wire up and hear all these wonderful megawatt international broadcasters and uh, it was fascinating to listen to what did your folks think about your interest did they enable you were they a little concerned of, of, about your uh, new interests oh they they were very supportive and uh, I didn't burn down the house with chemistry lab experiments so that was a plus uh, but uh, uh, having carcasses of clock radios and various discarded electronic items that I would laboriously salvage useful parts out of, uh, it filled a corner of my bedroom and it was easy enough to overlook. When did you become a ham? Oh, that's, that's a story in it itself. I went through my younger years and never knew anybody who was a ham. Of course, the public library had uh, the ARRL handbook, so I was able to kind of learn about it on a, a secondhand basis. Not until I got to college, my uh, college roommate, Jeff Fisher, AB5E, had uh, become an, an extra class ham at a very young age, and he persuaded me that I needed to do this, not that I needed a whole lot of persuading, but uh, he administered my novice exam and uh, became uh, KA9MCV in November of 1981. Oh, that's great. And so you become a ham, and I imagine you're going through high school, you get to the college, you're building things. What are some of the early things that you remember building that you were really proud of and that really kind of encouraged your momentum going forward <laughs> oh just lots of of radio items um i remember designing and building a bug radio listening device which uh absolutely enthralled my college roommates and they ended up using it for various <laughs> nefarious purposes <laughs> but uh I, I think the die was cast pretty early and so you go on to have a career where you're working with, you know, Westinghouse and other large sort of broadcast sort of entities. What were you doing in broadcasting? Well, um, the uh, uh, Electronics Defense Center that Westinghouse had out in Baltimore, they were doing uh, a lot of radar equipment, uh, some communication gear. Uh, I ended up working on VLF transmitter systems, which uh, was another kind of interest, the, the long wave beacons, you could uh, uh, 
hear the, uh, the the navigational beacons all up and down the East Coast, and that was really interesting. And having a chance to get my hands on those frequencies was a lot of fun as well. And uh, uh, just at that time, Westinghouse was getting out of broadcasting. They had spun off the uh, the the uh, Group W broadcasting service, and I thought that was a mistake personally. Uh, because solid state electronics was coming into the fore and the world was transitioning out of tube transmitters into solid state. And I thought that we could design and produce a very competitive solid state AM transmitter and uh, couldn't get any traction. So ended up uh, jumping ship and going to broadcast electronics in Quincy, Illinois, which as a plus was very close to where I grew up. So it was a chance to get back home and be close to friends and family and design some cool transmitter stuff. So you might be a Cubs or a White Sox fan? Bears? Oh, yeah. Doesn't matter? Well, you know, uh, every everybody I know has <laughs> fond memories of Harry Carey. Yes. Yeah, brilliant. I mean, just unique. <laughs> Unique, maybe brilliant's not the right word, but it's such a unique character. And by that sixth inning, you got a really by the you know by the seventh inning, you had a really interesting version of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." He loved what he did, and that's an essential quality that sets you apart. Let's uh, fast forward a little bit because I want to talk to you about uh, ham radio and building and its importance. Why is it important to you? It is. Well, it's, it's a, an essential part of the builder-maker culture, and that culture really didn't have a name until, until recently, but it was a very uh, integral part of, of the American technical experience. Uh, if you look at stories of Arthur Collins, founder of Collins Radio, and he built crystal radios when he was eight years old and got his ham license at 14 and went on to found this fantastic company with so many innovations and so much history. Um, and, and his start in tinkering and building and experimenting in many ways, my own experience paralleled that, but I fear that the way that technology has evolved, we're kind of losing that uh, essential aspect of technology as being something that young people can experience on a hand on, hands-on basis and learn from and be drawn into a hobby or a career in. How important is it in your mind that amateur radios understand how this equipment works? It It's essential. And uh, I work a lot with, with young people and uh, I, and both, both from the, the high school level and interviewing people coming out of college. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'll talk to a 16 year old kid who's really bright and I'll ask him, what do you want to do with yourself? And invariably, uh, if he's technically inclined, he wants to go on and design computer games because that's his technological exposure and you try to hire somebody out of college find somebody who can design a transformer 
And that's almost impossible. Uh, he'll say, what, like Optimus Prime? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, there's the, the analog and power and RF side of things that uh, nobody is interested in. Nobody has the exposure except those who, who stumble upon it through ham radio. What do you think something good? I'm, I'm bringing up your website again, and uh, you can check this out. It's just your call sign. You can type in November Mike uh, Zero Sierra Electronics there. What do you think is a good starting point? For somebody like me, I mean, I'm not a kid, but I, I have interest in it, and uh, I, I've got these um, snap circuits for my uh, six-year-old who is really showing interest in, in how these sorts of things work and electricity. So I play around with her in a little bit because that's, you know, that's good for her. Uh, for maybe someone who's grown up or just getting in or even a teenager, what's a good place to start? Well, I will actually divert you away from my website to okay. 4sqrp.com. And this is the Four States QRP group, which with which I'm closely associated. And I design the majority of kits for them as well. And so okay. they have not only uh, kits for QRP ham, but a lot of uh, uh, things aimed at pre-licensed people, uh, AM broadcast receivers, shortwave receivers, uh, code practice oscillators, things like that, which uh, you don't have to be licensed to be able to use. So you go over, over to the left and there's the list of kits and you click on that and that will show you some of the things that are available. Okay. Some things over here make it large enough for people yep. here. Yep. So we're in the right spot. Here you are, guys. Check this out. Four States QRP group. And then you can go down here on the left side. Dave tells us. The red tab just near the top. Here, this one here? The kits. Yep, shop four state kits. Okay. And that is our roster of kits. And there are QRP transceivers. Um, the Nouveau 75 is a 75-meter AM transceiver. Uh, Hilltopper is a wonderful design from Dave Benson. Yeah, this is um, one of my favorites, the uh, Nouveau 75. It's it's kind of inspired by Dave Benson's Retro 75, uh, but it's uh, it's updated with the, the newer technology. It's five watts of carrier, which if you are familiar with AM, that means it's pretty low powered, but uh, we've sold hundreds of these and we get really good reports of uh, some some decent distance and uh, users generally have very, very positive uh, regard and reviews of these. That's really cool. Okay, there's a, uh, let's get that website again for you guys. So do a search for four state QRP group and it looks like a repository of uh, friends of yours, people you know and... Well, yeah, the, the four state group is really kind of centered out of the Branson, Missouri area. And uh, it started out as hams in Arkansas, Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri. But uh, the popularity of the group uh, has expanded. We've got a lot of uh, a lot of folks from Iowa, Minnesota, and Illinois as well. A lot of folks from Texas who participate. But uh, it's, it's a unique group in that we don't charge dues. Uh, the 
operating revenue comes from kit sales and the kits are assembled by volunteers and the proceeds go to funding OzarkCon, which is the second largest QRP event in North America, Branson, Missouri, first weekend in April. It will be a virtual event this year, but uh, in person, it's a load of fun. All right, cool. Are there any other resources that you could maybe direct us to, you know, in the time between? This is a great one uh, as well, but uh, anything else? And, and maybe mention clubs a little bit in our final moments. Oh, definitely. Uh, I will uh, direct you also to Rex Harper, uh, W1REX, and his website is QRPME. He's up in uh, Limerick, Maine. He's an incredibly creative and prolific designer and he has a load of kits for sale and uh you know four states kits are great rex's kits are great uh the uh pacific antenna guys have another bunch of really great kits uh you know when heath kit went under there was a huge vacuum in terms of uh what is available simple things to build and uh the creative people in the QRP community have really uh, stepped forward and, and filled that vacuum. And uh, there's a lot of really good kits available. Well, Dave, I appreciate your time this morning. And uh, we'll have to talk sports again. And then a l- <laughs> just a little bit. And then we'll have to get into what I'm going to build. You see, I'm putting it, I'm putting it off. But, uh, and if you had a decent experience, maybe you come back and uh, you can teach us something. We can break off some small bites and come back and kind of begin to begin, if you will. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we haven't even touched uh, the, the building stuff, but uh, yeah. there are some really good experiences that can be had out there. Yeah, I'd love to have you come back and maybe we can we can figure out a way to, to show it. I think that's the one thing that we're all missing now between the COVID and not being able to get to Fest is we can't actually see it and be there and watch it happen. Um, so that would be a kind of nice element, but no pressure. I just, uh, an open door. If you want to come back and hang with us again, I'd love to. Perfect. It's done. I, I, I got to let it go there. You said, yes, we're going to have you back. Have a great weekend, David. Take care of yourself. And we'll, uh, thank you, Christian. We'll again. Good to meet you. Okay. 73. The ICOM 705 is your perfect QRP companion as you have base station features and functionality at the tip of your fingers, but it's in a portable package covering HF, 6 meters, 2 meters, and 70 centimeters. This compact rig weighs in at 1 kilo, or just over 2 pounds. With RF direct sampling for most of the HF band, and IF sampling for frequencies above 25 megahertz. It's got that large 4.3 inch color touchscreen with live band scope and waterfall. And the perfect accessory For the IC705 is the optional backpack. It's the LC192. It has a special compartment for the IC705 and room for accessories for soda activations or just a day in the park. Visit icomamerica.com slash amateur for more information on all ICOM radios. All right, brothers and sisters, this is the part of the show where I bring in my friends from Amateur Radio Newsline, my colleagues put together these stories every week and we pick two stories i think everybody knows the format i hope you know the format but look here they are karen katie two gut look great you look great oh you're coming your your setup is uh so great and and paul is a correspondent 
on Mars. Live there from could, Mars. Could be a little delay there, but this is exclusive stuff. What is it, about 12-minute delay, I think, Paul? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I wanted to just point out, as uh, just jog my memory as he was talking, this right here is my first kit. I was in either the end of fourth grade or fifth grade, and my fourth grade teacher was big into Heathkit. He, he had come from the Benton Harbor area. Let's see and, it, Paul. Hold it up again. Let's see. Okay. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. And uh, so I got kind of interested, and he convinced my parents to get me this, and he'd show me how to solder and all that. And uh, that was my very first kit, and uh, it went on from there. Uh, our library um, in the grade school I went to had those Alfred P. Morgan books. There were two or three think he had and i read those all the time i think i was the only kid uh in the school who read those books on a regular basis so that brings back a lot of memories it's cool and you've got something behind you today uh karen mm -hmm. I, it's, a I, little, it's a little more earthbound than what what paul has paul is out of this world today uh paul you're out of this world every day but uh we Today, were geeking I, out I, over I, the week. <laughs> I've got my feet on uh, terra firma. We're talking about uh, a map here that maybe in another year we'll have a lot more antennas on it. Uh, our top story this week was about a surge in folks in the UK who want to train to either get their license or upgrade their license online. Now, there's a waiting list. There's a waiting list. I mean, people are busting to get, you, you'd think they were giving away the air for free. Oh, wait a minute. But <laughs> they're doing it. They're really uh, pushing the limits of, of the uh, registration roles to get involved, to get their training. And then, of course, uh, they will be getting their tests. Uh, we spoke with Bath-based distance learning, which is one of the uh, many, many places giving this free online training and we spoke with South Knots ARC uh, both reported unprecedented demand um, now I spoke to the uh, Radio Society of Great Britain about this and they have put on their website a list of all of the groups that are providing these free services and they acknowledge that this is not just a question of people having more time on their hands. I mean, they could be making sourdough bread like the rest of us or, or building kits, uh, which they're probably doing, we hope. Um, they want to do this. They, they feel a need to be connected. They feel a need to learn new things. They're excited about ham radio. I, I hate to say this is the upside of the pandemic, but if we have to have an upside, let it be this. So uh, we felt this was worth exploring this week. In uh, as I say, next year I hope to put this map up behind me and show a lot more antennas. And Paul, this is just about training. Yeah, it's um, it's great that all of a sudden there's this interest because I mean a lot of it is going to be extra people for emergency communicating. Try again. It's okay. okay. There's a delay and a little glitch it's in the Wi-Fi. Can you Mars. edit that part out so I can see <laughs> communications? Um, but with any luck, a lot of those people are going to get more involved in other parts of it. 
um, because, uh, you know, while MCOM is a, an important part of what we do, there's so much else that if you just focus on that, I think, you know, I think maybe we have a chance to keep a lot of those hams too, which is, which is great. And it's also good for Great Britain because, uh, and the UK in general, because a lot of the frequencies there have been recently, um, you know, in question and a, a surge of hams gives a lot more interest in use for those frequencies. So they'll, you know, look at that and go, hmm, it affects a lot more people now. Karen, is it, the training to lead to the license or is there any studies that say, you know, a percentage of the people that are training here will go on to get their license? Can we tell what's really going to happen after the training? Absolutely. You actually anticipated what I was going to say as a follow up. You are reading my mind, which is dangerous. That's how it goes. That's how we are. <laughs> uh, many of these are upgrades. How about that? They've already been hands. They're upgrading. They want their uh, additional license. They want a higher level. It's it's incredible. They're adding classes. Um, they're adding curriculum. They're working hard. They're working very hard to accommodate people. And where they can't, they tell them to exercise just a little more patience, like like waiting for a right, waiting to be recognized in the pileup. Yeah, right on. Paul, story number two for today. Well, story number two all ties into what I'm wearing and the the picture behind me. Um, the picture behind me is a is a nod to uh, the current excitement about space, where the fine folks at NASA landed a a big RC off road vehicle on Mars and didn't break anything, right. and it's up there happily sending back pictures. Which congratulations to the Perseverance team. However, the shirt here with the uh, uh, pointing backwards with the uh, classic meatball logo is a tip of the hat to Voyager 2, which was also in the news recently, because all of us can relate. You know, you've been talking to a repeater re reliably, and then all of a sudden you start to lose it and you can't reach it anymore. And you troubleshoot and you figure out what it is and you figure out it's just your antenna is old and needs to be cleaned up and replaced, which is exactly what they discovered that the, uh, the only station uh, on, the, on Earth that is set up to talk to Voyager, uh, which has been on its way out since 1977, um, is in Canberra, Australia. And uh, they needed to upgrade the dish and the electronics at the top of the tower. And they just got that done late October. And they sent a test ping out to it. And Voyager had just been flying out there patiently going... Well, I hope they call again. And uh, they sent the ping and it said, hey, I'm still here. And it talked back. And now they can send commands to it again. And they can start to get data back from Voyager 2. So 44 years that uh, satellite has been on its way out of the uh, solar system. And uh, we're still talking to it. And congratulations to the folks down in Canberra for getting the antenna up and uh, refurbished and back on online. And uh that's just something I know that, you know, we all can, you know, when you, you go out there and you check that connections, you know, the traps have gotten corroded or dirty or um, water's seeped into a connector. So you replace all that, you pull up and bing, there's your, your repeater or your stations again. And it's like, yeah, mm -hmm. got to love that. Now, I've, I've, been, I've been a space nerd most of my life. So this kind of stuff, I just love. What do you think, Karen? Well, there's a lesson here. No antenna too big or too small. I know every time we have a snowstorm here, which we've been having a bit on the East Coast, 
I cross my fingers and so far it's held up just fine, but pay attention to your antennas folks. Uh, whether it's a dish or just uh, something you have attached to the side of your house, unless it's in your attic, but even the ones in the attic need maintenance. All antennas need love. That's, That's great. That's a t-shirt right there. I'm going to write that down. All antennas <laughs> need love. love. Beautiful. I'll split that with okay. you. We'll sell at least two, Three, maybe four. <laughs> Yeah. I figured Paul wouldn't buy it. He'd do, I don't know. Hey, yeah. okay. Take it's one okay. for the team. My thanks to Karen. She's the editor of Amateur Radio Newsline, KD2GUT. Paul is an anchor for Amateur Radio Newsline, WD9GCO. Thank you, friends, for bringing the stories again this week. And you're all welcome to leave your comments below and let us know. We'll go through the chat and get your opinion. It's a two-way conversation. A 73 to you both, and have a great weekend. Stay warm. Thank you. Let's take a minute to talk about what I feel is the most beneficial deal in ham radio today. It's when you become a sustaining member of 100 watts and a wire. Here's how it works. When you donate $25 or more, you will become a sustaining member for a year. And during that year, you get discounts from participating businesses. It's a win, win, win. The show gets your support. You get the discounts, a little more money in your pocket for your next project, and those businesses can earn your trust. Visit 100wattsandawire.com, click the Sustaining Membership tab to learn how you can support the content you enjoy. And thanks. Okie dokie, welcome back. It's Christian, K0STH, W7UDI. He's been hanging out with you in the uh, chat room. What's going on there? Any uh, good reaction? Oh, man, the Legos. <laughs> Legos. Legos. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that brought up some uh, conversations. You've started us and, into a Lego. Oh, one. yeah. And just, uh, you know, my youngest son and his Legos and the oldest son and and the hand-me-downs, the 20-year-old Legos that are uh, still around. And, they still work. Uh, it was, oh, yeah. No, that's that's great. And, uh, you know, un unfortunately, we're now into, you know, the, I think the youth is more into software, as uh, Dave pointed out. It's uh, want to make gaming software and things like that. So it's uh, we need the hardware builders. I remember, you know. One of the first kits I built, especially in my college classes in Electronics 101, we built a Radio Shack AM radio. Just it was all part of the the curriculum. And he's like, "Go down to Radio Shack, get this kit, and then we're going to do it in class." And uh, it was uh, kind of a fun little project. But uh, but I like the I like the uh, what Karen just came up. All antennas need love. Yeah, that's Antenna, true. Antennas love you long, long time. It's really weird when you say it. I don't know. I think we better. Yeah, it's kind of creepy. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. It messes with the algorithm. It's loving antennas. Type that in and here, here this comes. Uh, what else is happening there? We've, uh, we've, we landed on Mars again, which is a mm -hmm. beautiful thing. I don't know if you got to see that, but I get to catch it in real time. And NASA has a great channel on yeah. YouTube. And, uh, you know, you can watch it and hear the people who are involved in it and the, uh, what I found was the transition team. They transition from, you know, the landing team to uh -huh. the new team that's going to deal with it as it's uh, going yeah, across they, Mars. On the surface. What do you yeah, think about it? Oh, that's great. That's, that's, that's going to be awesome. And, uh, 
I mean, just we have curiosity that's still running around. That was only supposed to last for, you know, a few months and it's been going on for years. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of high hopes uh, with uh, with this uh, new uh, rover. And then on top of it, there it's going to collect some samples. And then I think in the future they want to retrieve those samples and bring them back to Earth. So that's going to be interesting. <laughs> and uh how that all plays out so no it's it's pretty cool it is super super cool i want to remind you we're going to give away a um, 100 dollar gift certificate to main trading company we'll do that probably at the top of the hour so get your call signs into the chat you kind of have to have your name and call sign in the chat to win we'll pick a winner at the top of the hour who submitted from last week so we'll do that in just a little bit Oh, what else are they talking about here? Just scrolling through erector sets. Remember erector mm -hmm. sets? People were talking about that. Jeff yep. mentioned those. There was there, there was those, and uh, I mean, it just uh, yeah. Once the Legos hit, it was like <laughs> it just blew up with uh, with Legos, and then uh, now we're kind of talking a little bit about uh, looks like antennas, and and uh, so that's uh, that's good. No, it's been a pretty active uh, group there. Did you make um, Lego towers when you were a kid, Steve? Since you're a tower climbing guy and by no. trade, you didn't make real tall towers oh, yeah. and the little guy had I to really, go up. I really wasn't into Legos. We didn't have that. I had a lot of Lincoln Logs. Lincoln and, Logs I had too. Yeah, we had those. And then uh, then Erector sets and uh, kind of, yeah, built some uh, tower structures. Uh, not by then, you know, when I was messing around with them, I didn't have the radio bug it was probably about uh 12, 11 12 years old when i got the radio bug and it's been all downhill from there so it's uh it's been a while but uh yeah that's and an then, interesting uh oh go ahead, go ahead and then it was just from there on down it was just one of these uh walking back and forth to school and going by this one house that had a tower and a tri-band beam and this older gentleman and one day i got the nerve up and he was out in his backyard now because we we kind of cut through a church parking lot or and uh so i i asked him i go what's that and then that was that was it it was he showed me a station and i kind of remember either it was collins or heathkit but it it looked his station looked like what's behind me and uh that i was done i was that was it i failed to mention dave's going to be presenting at the qso today ham expo so mm -hmm. he's going to be talking i just was reminded uh oh, by nice. myself there's something in your brain that will remind you after you miss but he's going to i'll be there we'll be there too a 100 watts and wire will be at the expo and we'll have a booth there like we did last year and that was actually the beginning of this sort of streaming thing you mm -hmm. and i did something i was encouraged by uh ian Kilo India 9 Whiskey. He was like, you should stream from the expo to Facebook. And we ended up doing that. Uh -huh. Little did I know, several months after that, I'd be knee deep. We almost have 100 videos. And, and Here we are. <laughs> now we're addicted to it. It's crazy. Streaming is so fun. It's so fun. But being able to interact with you guys mm -hmm. is, what, uh, is what makes it fun. We're going to be doing uh, another bit. We're going to do the giveaway. So put your call signs in there. 100 ducats, man. That could get you some stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the spirit of radio, if you've already got some stuff, we've mentioned Steve and I, I've got enough stuff. I can be on the air. It's good. 
uh, we're good. So if I were to win it, I would probably give it to somebody who needs exactly. something or hand up. If you can do it, that might be the spirit of radio, but maybe you need it. You do whatever you want with it. Uh, we'll pick a winner here at about 11 o'clock central time. Uh, so get your call signs in there. We've been doing this thing for the last couple of weeks. Um, the spirit of radio where people come on and tell us stories. And we've had some stories about um, call signs where a grandson has uh, picked up his, didn't even know his grandfather had been a ham until his mom was like, oh yeah, you're interested in that? So was your grandfather, by the way. Found his call sign, applied for it, got it. Last week we had Stephen on. He talked about obtaining his father's call sign, mm -hmm. teaching us about his dad and hearing it. You know, I can, I, it's, it's, it's radio related, but my father's, you know, they have a thing too. He was KLM 2866 was like his CB number. That was his call it, sign. That it, was engraved in my brain. Mm -hmm. It was written on the, it was written on his push pin board. And so I could relate when Steven said that he would hear that call sign all the time. And, uh, you know, this was 19 for me, it was 1978. You know, I still have that call sign. That was written. So we're taking uh, some moments to just kind of share stories and the spirit of radio really is uh, when you give back or you remember somebody who helped you along when you couldn't do it for yourself or somebody gave you tools or why you picked that call sign. Because frankly, about a month ago, we started getting fed up. I, I was not to get on another rant about it, but you know, so much negativity that, you know what? Radio is a great thing, and it's a, mm -hmm. a reason why we got into this. And I just want to share these stories. Everybody's got a story. So uh, maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll just do it here. We'll take another break um, and come back here in a second. Actually, we're not going to take a, a commercial break, but I'm going to pull this up here. Steve, I'm going to keep you with me this time around, unless you want to go play around in the chat room if you want to. Oh, we're good. We're good. All right, you hang here with me. We're going to bring up another guy who's got a great story. It's Phil. His call sign is Whiskey Zero Romeo Hotel Papa, and he looks just like this. Good morning, brother. How are you? Hey, Phil. Uh, good morning, everybody. How's it going? It's good. going good. How about yourself? Oh, in, in support of the, my Texas friends that are chilling and, and having all kinds of issues, my furnace decided to quit a couple days ago. So oh, no. I... Uh, I managed to uh, play HVAC repairman and and get it to where it's at least functional. So, oh, good for you! Oh, good deal. Well, we won't keep you too long here, but you know we've been in the spirit of radio and talking about call signs. And you let me know that you have a story too. Tell me about your call sign. Well, uh, my dad uh, started out as a ham radio operator. I think when he was in, still in high school back in the fifties. And uh, um, he was a canine call back then, living in uh, uh, when he got his license uh, in uh, the Chicago area. And, uh, of course, back then, every time you moved from one district to another, you had to get a new call sign. So he's I'm going through some old QSL cards. I've, I've got most of his previous call signs, except for when he was living in Oklahoma City. Uh, and, uh, uh, when they 
moved into Kansas and he got the W0RHP call was when the FCC quit mandating having to change the uh, uh, the call sign to match the district. So uh, he was W0RHP for a lot of years. And uh, when, uh, when he passed away in 2001, uh, you know, the... I was the only ham in the family at the time and we couldn't bear the thought of somebody else getting that call sign. So, uh, I, uh, applied for it and, and, uh, being a family member, of course, I got the, the legacy call and, uh, uh, which is confusing because I'm a junior. So people aren't sure whether they're talking to him <laughs> or they're talking to me. <laughs> How does that work out with making contacts? I mean, if your dad was pretty active on the air up until a certain time, he's probably in many, many, you know, call books or uh, logs. Did you ever have that kind of situation where you made a contact and they thought it maybe was your dad? I did one time uh, back in, uh, what was it, 03, I think it was, or late 02. Uh, I was driving a truck and... Uh, I had to lay over in, in uh, Las Cruces uh, to get some time back in my, my log so I could continue down the road. So I fired up my HR 2600 and made a contact with a guy in uh, uh, Nova Scotia. And he looked it up in, in, in his logs and, and uh, apparently had made contact with my dad and said, well, it's been a long time since we've chatted. How have you been? And I said, well, um, <laughs> so I had to explain to him that uh, mm -hmm. I, I was junior, not senior. <laughs> some, of, some of the things that your dad was into, was he into working DX or antenna building? What was his sort of layer that he liked? Well, um, being a minister and college professor, he was real busy and, and uh, didn't have as much time for ham radio when I was still living at home. Um, so as far as building stuff and whatnot, but, uh, uh, he was, uh, he was big into, you know, AM contacts and, and, uh, uh, I remember, uh, uh, his receiver was a, a national NC 300, which was a fabulous radio. I spent a lot of time listening to on it. Uh, his transmitter was a globe King 500. Wow. Uh, and, uh, um, and, uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, Joe Walsh has a, a Globe King 500 in his collection. I noticed, uh, and, uh, then, uh, moving around the, that heavy equipment, uh, he, uh, finally got into smaller, more compact rigs. And, uh, after I got my novice, um, oh, was it back in the late eighties, uh, the highlight of my ham radio career was uh, when he was in Milwaukee and I was in South Central Kansas. Uh, we uh, managed to have a Morse code QSO on 40 meters, and uh, oh, nice. that uh, that's that's the highlight of my uh, ham radio career at this point. Any questions, Steve, for Phil? So, do you have any of the of your dad's old equipment? Uh, with you or uh, I do uh, I uh, when he passed since I was the only ham I inherited a bunch of stuff and mm -hmm. uh, uh, I'm using his uh, ICOM IC735 
uh, and uh, you know, trying to figure out all the intricacies of of that piece of equipment. And uh-huh. uh, I've made a few contacts on it since I've got it uh, put into practice, and it's a good radio. Oh, nice. Well, excellent. And uh, I did get a kick out of, uh, you know, the QSO with the uh, guy in Nova Scotia. And yeah. it was like, uh, have you had any others that it's like, uh, uh, pardon me, what what was your dad's first name? Phil. Phil. Okay. So, oh, yeah, you're a junior. Yeah. Dun, dun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was like, hey, Phil, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I'm junior. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, that's great. Uh, It's I always wonder how you know siblings that have taken their parents' call sign meeting up with with contacts that you know that knew your your parent from you know years before, and uh, and that's that's great. That's uh, I'm glad you got a chance to chat with someone that you know actually chatted with your dad and and things like that. So. Oh yeah, yeah. I decided to wear a ball cap today because I didn't think the screen would look too well with three bald guys on it. <laughs> Very thoughtful. Very thoughtful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey Phil, do you um you attribute your ham radio interest to your father? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. Um, when we lived in uh, West Hartford, Connecticut, um, this would have been right around 1970. Uh, I begged him to take me down to Newington so we could look around and, and, uh, I had my, my ham radio interest for a long time. Uh, I don't know, started, started trying to get into it several times. Um, I actually, uh, encouraged, uh, a couple other people to, uh, to get into ham radio. And of course they took the ball and ran with it and I'm going, you know, I should probably get my ticket one of these days. So finally bit the bullet and sat down, got the five words a minute and got my novice and, and, uh, then, uh, upgraded to tech plus and, and, uh, sat on, sat on that for too many years. Uh, I lived in an HOA down in Oklahoma city and no antennas. And so I was, pretty much dormant except for uh, mobile VHF and uh, then uh, a couple of years ago upgraded to general finally so uh, ultimate goal um, I'd like to uh, get my extra uh, not so much for the extra privileges uh, but uh, uh, be able to try and get into the the VE program and and try and bring other people along into this great hobby oh great That'd be fantastic. Do you remember, Phil, um, when you got your ticket, any conversations with your dad, uh, with his feeling with you actually becoming a ham too? Oh, he was proud of me. Um, and, uh, when, uh, when I finally, uh, graduated from Wichita state university, uh, working full time, going to school part time takes forever. Uh, but as a, uh, reward for that accomplishment uh he gave me a uh, uh an alenco dr570 uh to so that i have the you know the dual band vhf uhf i was a tech plus by then and uh so he uh we talked ham radio quite a bit and, and uh, just something else to bring us closer together any uh, thing that's uh, oh go ahead go ahead 
Oh, I just, I was just going to say, uh, people that knew he was a minister, uh, when, when they saw his ham radio license plate, asked him if that said worship. <laughs> <laughs> That's close. Yeah. <laughs> Any operating experiences with your dad that stand out? That, you know, maybe you did something um, together or any portable type of stuff, mobile operations? Not really. Uh, when uh, I had time to to spend with him on, on vacation and whatnot, uh, uh, he, uh, uh, his football injuries had caught up with him, so he wasn't as ambulatory as, as uh, what he would like to have been. And, and uh, so... You know, uh, we did go to a uh, uh, ham fest in the Milwaukee area one year. Uh, I drug him out. <laughs> he didn't want to go, but he went, and uh, he had a great time while we were down there. Uh, I I went to one of those vendors that makes the you know the custom ball caps and whatnot, and had uh, a hat that's made that's had my uh, N zero LQK call on it. Uh -huh. And he thought that was pretty cool. So he had one made just like it with his call sign on it. And uh, uh, I, I've i got that cap around here somewhere. <laughs> so it's kind of neat. You know, every time I sit down at the radio, I think of him. And, and uh, Speaking just, about the radio, um, go back to that uh, QSO you had with your dad on CW. You know, oh, were, you, were uh, you really nervous or... How how were you? No, not, how were you feeling? Yeah, not not really. Um, I was excited. I mean, we had, in in order to to try and hear each other tuning up. I had he had a a Kenwood TS eight thirty, and I had a five five thirty, and uh, so you know you're having to you know trim the plate and the grid and everything to get tuned in just right, get maximum power, and uh, uh, so we were on the phone. <laughs> trying to find each other's carrier <laughs> and, and and then when we finally did I mean, we just let her rip and and uh um, you know it was just uh, you know no no nerves at all just uh just as, as as if i was talking to him on the phone just talking to him with a straight key oh that's great now did dad ever share with you how he felt that you know he finally you know made uh you know a qso on amateur radio with his son. Did he ever share any of that with you? Not that I remember. Um, I mean, we had a good time and, and, uh, after the QSO, we got on the phone and talked a little bit and, and, uh, uh, we're, we're laughing about it. And, and, oh. uh, um, you know, cause my, he, his code was rusty. Of course, being, he was a, an advanced class. So he had passed 13 words a minute mm -hmm. at one point, but hadn't used it for years. And, uh, you know, I was I was a novice with uh, you know just five words a minute, and uh, uh, by by the end of the conversation, we were we were both trucking along about ten, eleven, twelve words a minute, something like that. Nice. So, anybody who's studying code, you'll get it. I got it. Of course, I'm a, I was a musician, so I you know have a little bit of an advantage there. Um, uh, you know, stick with it. You'll get it you'll have a blast. Um, you don't have to be the 80 word per minute guy, you know, uh, and most of the hams out there, you know, uh, they're, they're real respectful. Uh, they will slow down their code speed to match yours. Um, some of them don't, but, but, but most of them will. 
And, uh, you know, just anytime anybody says Morse code is dead, my immediately, my immediate response is, Hey, they use Morse code to save the world and independence day. (laughs) Hey, Phil, let me ask you a question. It might be a two parter here and then I'll let you go. Uh, your dad moved around a lot. Did he ever talk about, man, I need like, if I just had this sort of antenna, because this situation, I'm living in a new place, you know, was there an antenna that he looked for or that one that was solid for him, one that he knew that he could go up, get it up and then go to? Well, most of the antennas that he used, uh, well, uh, in the early years, he had a, a, a Gotham vertical and, uh, you know, had the, had the, coil on the bottom that you had to move things around for the different bands like kind of a precursor of the wolf river coil uh and uh, but i don't ever remember him using that um he he just made his own dipoles and and uh um you know uh in fact that's what he was using in milwaukee uh, uh when he passed away uh we had bought him um a uh, hustler 6 BVT uh, for Father's Day one year, and by then he wasn't able to put it together and never got around to finding somebody to put it together. Oh, man. So uh, it's uh, it's still sitting in my garage. Uh, I was going to put it together, but somebody gifted me a 5 BVT that was already put together, so I just put it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Save the parts for the other one. <laughs> right. Hey, well, thanks for sharing your story, Phil. It's great. I, I think it's always fun to stop and I talk about my dad. My dad was a busy guy, too. And I have one photo, one photo of him in front of his rig. I guess my mom took it. And it's oh, here. Nice. It's like on display. But but I remember it was very limited time. He was trying to raise a family. He was working all the time. And if he was home, he might be taking a nap. But that one shot, I've got one shot of him in front of that radio that means a lot. And I tell this story about he would key down. He had a D D one Oh four and uh, the lights would flicker in the house and the neighbors, we live in a row home in Baltimore. Boom, 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 boom. But I think it was a grounding issue. I, I'm not sure what it was, but the neighbors would, you'd hear him. Dum, dum, dum. He'd laugh. He'd laugh. Keep, keep going. Nice. He'd just keep doing it. He was like, that. but thanks for sharing that story. I appreciate you, Phil. And I hope you're staying nope. warm. Thank you, Phil. Thanks for having me on 73. 73 for now. Take care. LDG Electronics provides state-of-the-art antenna tuners for every amateur need. From QRP to QRO, fixed station, portable and remote. Matching your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. Our focus is on anticipating and meeting our customers' needs and providing them with world-class support as they install and use our products. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable when you sell it, with no paperwork required. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. If you want to learn programming for Arduino so you can get your electronics project off the ground, then Programming Electronics Academy is the place to be. A membership gives you full access to a library of detailed video courses, including the Arduino course for absolute beginners. 
PEA has video courses designed for beginners that don't assume you already have a PhD in software design. If you're tired of just cutting and pasting code, visit programmingelectronics.com forward slash 100 watts. Okie dokie. I want to share. I, um, I did a thing this week, Steve. Let's see. And I put to get more of these stories around. I've um, created a page on the website. If I can pull it up and find it. Here we go. And share it with you. So everybody's got a story. So if you go to 100 watts and a wire.com, now you can find a page where you can submit just some simple stuff, your call sign, your name, your email address, and a little bit about your story. You know, oh, that's share great. a little bit about your story here and I'll call you back and we'll bring you in here to tell it. Because, you know, just like Phil and Shane and Steven and you and me, we all have something, somebody somewhere. Oh, yeah helped us along the way and it's a good if nothing else it's a good chance for us to uh to remember the people and i always appreciate anytime i can think of my dad or tell a story about him uh, i appreciate that but go to the spirit of radio right up here at the top there and you will be able to submit your story and i look forward to hearing oh, that. and then the history we learn that uh the that hasn't been spoken about and we get to learn about those those things that happened over the years and, but, uh, having, you know, stories of family members or even, even if it's not a family member, if someone that, you know, inspired you, uh, an Elmer, just, we just want to hear these stories. All those stories, all those lives, you know, we found out he, he was a, a minister. He went around and those mm-hmm. jobs are kind of, you go around and they still are that kind of way where you go to different town to town. I, and I start thinking about, man, what a, potential nightmare in terms of being a ham radio operator and trying to get your gear up, trying to get an antenna up that works one that's, you know, I don't know. It's just fascinating to see uh, people's lives. Uh, hello to anybody who's new. If you're new, put your name in the chat. I'm kind of looking at it now and also put your call, call sign, sign in there yeah. because we're going to give away a hundred dollars that you can spend at main trading company. They are in uh, Paris, Texas. I hope they're doing okay. I don't know what's going on in Paris at the moment, Texas. Uh, but we know our friends in Texas are struggling a bit, and hopefully getting some warmer temperatures and getting out of this. Sounds like they're um, kind of coming out of it. So. I hope so. I hope so. Maybe there's a heat wave coming along. But put your call signs in there. Just one time is enough. Uh, my daughters and I will pull the call signs. We assign a uh, number. Yesterday, uh, we picked the winner, and my oldest daughter wanted to give away two. I said, two? <laughs> That's $200. Go to your room. No. <laughs> they're so generous but that's yeah there's like let's give away two or three how about five there's you know i think there was like 35 entries or something let's give away more we only that's have to pick spirit. one dad that's only the spirit one. she's like i like number 17 and 34 and i was like okay which one do you want to take and she oh, went with number 17 34 so. hmm that might be a good lottery number. I will just take a small percentage. Take for seventeen the, for the babies. For the babies. Oh, what? What? You tied it to an antenna measurement? What happened? No, she doubled it. Seventeen and thirty-four. Oh, yes. she's working on her math. She's working on her math. All right, let's uh, let's uh, give this antenna away. So, so each, which, which one was it before he go? Was it seventeen or thirty-four? Seventeen. She went with seventeen first. She wanted to know who it was, and I said, uh-huh. "Okay, cool. Everybody wants to know who it is." And then she was like, "All right, that's cool. Seventeen wins." And then she said, "Who's number 34? And then we went, you know, to see who it was. 
And she's like, oh, cool. And I said, maybe next week. Maybe next week we'll we'll pick whoever number 34 was. She, she got it. She was fine. She was just being a little extra generous. So um, each weekend this month, the month of February, we had four uh, $100 um, gift cards to Main Trading Company. And, and that's a place you can look online because I've never been to Paris, Texas. But I've been to that website. And you poke around and they have everything, Steve. I mean, everything i've been looking at a scanner one that will let me hear the trunked systems here oh yeah and to my dismay i found out that they are several hundred bucks i'm like Ugh. yeah i just want to listen to the local stuff you know they have them there at a main trading company and of course you can get a good deal or you could trade something you know this trade this kind of deal so it's an interesting store and it's a family thing and i always dig that but do whatever you want with your money Thinking in terms of if you can and if you got some stuff, pay it forward, but do whatever you want with it. This week's winner is here. Number 17. It's Mark. November 9, Whiskey India Bravo. Congratulations to Congratulations, Mark. Congratulations, Mark. Way to go. Number 100 17. ducats. Number 17. Uh, hondo. Yeah, you got a hondo and some ducats. What is it, Danish? I think that's Danish currency. I remember. But uh, Mark, uh, we'll be in touch with you. And congratulations. Get your names in the call signs. And Steve, are you ready to do this? I hope that we have some questions. And oh, yeah, I did put the uh, questions. Yep. You posted the uh, questions link. A link and I'll, I'll do that again for you right now. And if we don't get to them today, we'll put them in the queue uh, for next time. That's what we want to do. So here you go. Questions. Look at that questions, sexy questions, microphones. Questions. Lots of questions. Uh, you know, some are easier than others. If we don't know the answer, we will we will go and research it. We'll try to find the answer for you. Uh, but Steve's got over 40 years in the game, and, and usually he's got a good lead, if nothing else. Okay, Steve, you ready? Bring it on. Ongoing off-center Fed issue. My rig uh, would stop transmitting on 20 meters. FT8 running, 20 watts. Rest of the bands transmit fine. Realized RF coming in the shack, uh, MFJ 915 uh, isolator, and now it's fine. Should I look at replacing coax? So everything is fine now? It would, so yeah, if the radio stopped transmitting on 20 meters, FT8 running, sounds like it was like a high VSWR because the radio is going into self-protect mode. So I would start looking at, so, you know, I always talk about we have systems. So we have our radio system, which is the radio and everything here in the shack. Then we have our transmission system, which is the coax. Then we have the antenna system, which is the antenna. So let's break it down. And so check the coax. And if you have a dummy load, that is probably the one of the, one of the tools that I recommend to everybody to have is have a dummy load. That way you can check your coax. You can put the dumb load at the end of the feed line and if and then make your tests that way, you know, run full power. If everything checks out fine, now you've kind of isolated, okay, the coax system's in good shape, and then move on to the antenna. So uh, what's kind of interesting is that typically if it was bad coax, it'd be bad on all the bands. So I'm kind of leaning that there was something going on in the, the antenna. And either there's a failure in that uh, isolator 
but now it's fine. So there's something that could have been moisture and then finally it cleared out. And uh, so start looking at that and uh, breaking it down into, into two systems and go from there. And then uh, another thing you could probably do is uh, slap together a real quick 20 meter dipole and change out the off center fed and throw the dipole. And that's another way if you don't have the, a, a dummy load and, and see how that uh, plays out. 16 feet of wire on each side and away you go. Incidentally, and another thing and another is thing. going to be a, a spinoff show here at 100 <laughs> Watts and Wire. And another thing. Usually it's, uh, it, it comes out when we've been drinking. <laughs> and another thing. Here's one from Dwayne. NVIS is my next antenna build. Mm -hmm. I'd like it to be a fan dipole inverted V. Should look like a six-legged spider in the yard. 30, That's 40, 80 meters. My question, if I'm using a 15-foot PVC mass, could I bump it up a couple of feet and add a two-meter vertical with radials on top? How mm -hmm. well would this work? That'd work. I mean, the two-meter vertical, with right, yeah, that, it, the HF antennas won't see it. I mean, two-meter radials are 19 inches long, so... It shouldn't be a, a factor. It sounds like you're the fan dipole. That's more like a maypole. Mm -hmm. So uh, if you if you spread them all out uh, evenly, and uh, but uh, yeah, as far as MVIS, it won't go any. You it's ten uh, ten megahertz, which is thirty me uh, meters and down. After that, uh, you won't get the MVIS uh, function with twenty meters and above. So. But uh, it should work. It shouldn't. Uh, the two meter antenna will have no effect on the HF antennas. So you say the HF antenna won't see it, meaning it won't pick up anything, won't interfere won't, with it. There won't be any uh, interactions. There shouldn't be. There, that's uh, the wave. The two meter wavelength is so small versus the HF wavelength. It's there'll be no interaction. Okay. I remember um, Dr. Bob talking about the bow tie. I don't know if this is the same sort of thing he's talking about with the mass where you have like, say an 80 meter antenna across the top and a 40 meter going this way. And it would look like a bow tie. And when you get it up there, you know, could, if you get it up there, right. Uh, my story was quite different. I had one, I put it up there a little too close to the tree trunk and the Oak uh, of the trunk kind of snagged the wire. And then it becomes a Chris Farley, uh, skit where I'm pulling, I'm pulling, and, and it just became a big. So I think it's good to put it on a, mm -hmm. like a push up mast, and then exactly. you then you can you're in the clear. But when you're in the trees like I am, uh, that's a hard antenna to do. But Dr. Bob said, put it up there, try it out, and I was like, okay, mm -hmm. okay, and I was a little too close to the trunk of that tree, and my experience was not great, unfortunately. Here's another one. From Keith, LZ4JD, my beam antenna was hit by lightning three times last year. Dang. Since, <laughs> since then, has had SWR one to five, but has gone deaf. I have uh, changed uh, coax, plugs, balance, etc. Been told it's no longer worth keeping because the electricity has compromised the integrity of the metal. 
Could yeah. this be true or just yeah? Rubbish good. Well, <laughs> there's so many. Oh, so I would imagine the insulator at the driven element. So, well, it all depends on the design, but uh, just the basic beam antenna is just think of it as a dipole with element, you know, parasitic elements. But um, most likely, there's uh, uh, probably short. It's shorted out. That's why it's gone deaf. If it's not shorted out, it's open because either there's um, something that's making a connection uh, from the ballon. You know, you said the ballon's okay, but uh, oh, it, it, I'm thinking there's something shorted out. Uh, just three times? Holy smokes. Yeah, I'm rebuilding everything. After three lightning strikes, I... I couldn't I, imagine having confidence in any aspect. Of I that would attack. bring that down and it has to be taken apart completely. But uh, if there's an insulator, like on the high gain antennas, there's like a sleeve that is the insulator and that the element goes into that. And then, then the clamp kind of comes down on, on top of that. And I would imagine with a lightning strike, that's probably punched through. It's arced over. Uh, you got melted materials. It's, that's a total teardown, and you could probably salvage some of the pieces, make another antenna, but <laughs> I'm still amazed on the three times. It's like, holy smokes, dude. <laughs> That's brutal. That is absolutely brutal. But as long if the antenna took the, took the damage and the brunt of it, then that's you got out cheap. Yeah, for sure. We got another question here. And I'm going to put it in. Uh, let me get rid of this one here. All right. Did I just lose it? I'm losing myself. I'm losing my mind. I'm losing my mind. Stand by, everybody. I'm going to put that on the screen for everybody. Three that times. One, that I mean, one blows me away. That just absolutely. That antenna does not want to be there. That That's like the, you know, I've never heard anything like that. I'm surprised any of the antennas left. I, it would be parts for me. I, I mean, I, if I knew that it was hit by lightning even once, I would probably bring it down and, you oh, know, serious tests. But after the second lightning strike, I'm probably thinking it's going in the scrap pile. I got to move it. Like, this is not working. Where do I live? You know, I don't know all those details, mm -hmm. but holy smoke. Okay. Here we go, Steve. Ray asks, how far off the ground does a 40 meter dipole need to be? you can have how far can you get it up you get oh. it up as... <laughs> <laughs> come on ray is this a trap you know this yeah. guy's gonna go down in the wrong way oh but this God. is an interesting uh thing here we, we talked about uh nvis a little bit mm -hmm. uh so proper if he's asking for proper height like just so what do you I think mean, ideally mm -hmm. 60 feet then you get it up a half wave. I mean, that's ideal, but not everybody can do that. But you can also go as low as five or six feet. I have chatted with guys on 80 meters, on 75 meters. They've had their 75 meter dipole at the top of their wooden fence line, which is, you know, five, six feet, whatever. And they were in the Southwest down in Arizona, New Mexico. And I'm here in the Northwest. And we still, um, and you got out. So you get it up as high as you can. That's practical for your, 
your situation, but you know, you can, it'll work at five feet. I mean, it's going to be truly an MVIS antenna, but you will definitely get out and make contacts. So. Yeah. I mean, I'm at 50 feet and I think that's a victory. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's great. I mean, but that's still less than ideal, but yeah. you know, in my portable rig, I'm working 25 feet in the air. I love it. 25 feet portable. I can manage it. I'm not, Whoa, balancing the mast and getting frustrated. It works. And you're making contacts, you know, across the country with no problems. And then you put the a 20 meter up at that height. You're dealing with uh, some DX, you know, exactly. So, because now you're getting more than a half wavelength and you're getting close to a full wavelength. If you get to 60 feet, it's wow. Full wavelength on, on 20 meters. And so it, it's, uh, yeah, we keep saying, get it as high as you can. What's practical or get it up, just get it up and whatever. It's a new t-shirt. Can, <laughs> just get it get up. It up. <laughs> I actually like that one a lot. Antennas need love and get it up. Yeah. We're going to have a new line. Okay. Well, thank you for that. Thank you for those questions. Some others came in and we'll add those to the queue for next week. Um, but you know, you guys, so we're, we're starting to get toward the uh, later times now. So we'll take a peek into the, uh, the chat. Uh, thank you for that information, Steve. I think almost everybody's working in an NVIS situation, although it's much considered much lower, but you know, ideal height doesn't really work for everybody. You can't do it. Um, so saying hello to everybody in chat. If you're new, put in the chat that you're new. We'd like to meet you. It's a great community and nice folks. And I appreciate you stopping by. If you're new to the channel, poke around and um, check the playlist. We do uh, several shows and several streams a week. So you want to stay up to date with what's happening there. We've got giveaways every week. <laughs> what are you seeing? You're scrolling in there. Oh, what are these guys oh. up to? Paul, get it up. Antennas need love. There goes the algorithm. <laughs> yeah, there goes the algorithm. I know. It's just going to be just, we just We just tweaked it. <laughs> What's uh, to may say? Christian did ask earlier, what's up with my weekend? Well, one minute to out means one hour in. Hope to hear Christian and Steve there too. Okay. He likes to listen to us on the road in real time type of stuff. So that's cool. Nice. Yeah. And so this is uh, the show that heads to the podcast side that'll be posted later on today. Mm-hmm. And don't forget your stories, share your stories. The spirit of radio is, doesn't need to be call sign ori- uh, oriented. You can, uh, you can talk about anybody, anybody that helped you along the way stories. You know, I, uh, I've got one I never even have told about my dad and I'll tell it some other time, but sort of a search and rescue situation. Although it wasn't amateur radio related specific, this was more CBs. He, he didn't um, get his license in amateur radio, but he was part of this team that went out and looked, uh, you know, for lost kids. And I went out with him one time and nice, just a, an amazing experience. And I think that's part of me being interested in that search and rescue MCOM. You know, these seeds are planted when you're a kid and you're out there in the dark listening. We live by the zoo. And uh, this little girl went missing and he was riding around in his van and just looking around. But the communication that's going around, the coordination of where people were, it was just fascinating, fascinating stuff. So there you go. Check on the website. Um, we've got that. Click the Spirit of Radio tab at the website. Tell us your story. We'll schedule you to come on and talk about it and share some good memories and good stories. 
check out the programming uh, page there as well. We do something on Wednesday uh, evening. We've got a net going there that streams Saturday morning, the pre-show. It's nuts. Most of the people you see <laughs> in the chat are twisted individuals. Then they come and they pour water on my twisted seed and uh, turn me into a Betty White lover, literally. <laughs> um, but we also talk about radio and uh, make contacts with the people we know and meet some new friends. Um, and then we come into the big show here. We do the uh, Saturday 10 o'clock show. Goes to the podcast guest like we saw today with Dave and Phil sharing their stories, different topics. Sunday is another thing. We're on the air. It's a live stream. We've got a new neck control to break in. So I uh, sent uh, Paul to Steve so Steve can mold him and <laughs> Get him in, but he's always got a great signal. Paul in Tom's River, New Jersey, joins the team this week. Interesting to see how that'll fit in. Hopefully a new band, maybe. That's going to be great. Something else, and you'll be able to watch this right here on the channel as it goes back and forth. And then uh, tomorrow night, I'm going to interview Hap Holly. Many of you uh, of a certain vintage may know Hap from The Rain Report. He started it and ran it for 30 years Tomorrow, we'll touch base with him. Um, so look forward to that. We do a Sunday evening show. And for now, I usually just sit and talk to somebody. Lots of interesting people on ham radio. And he's really fascinating. He hasn't had sight since. I don't know if he ever did, frankly. I, I don't know how old he is, but I know since the 50s, he's been blind. And that doesn't define him. He would go to ham fest and he would set up and he would interview people and he'd come back and he enjoys audio, audio editing, and it's just a, an interesting, uh, the fact that he's blind is not even the main story. The fact that he did 30 years of creating content on a shoestring budget for nothing, you know, nothing. Most yeah, of the people created Hap content and, not making uh, anything. Hap and Bill Pasternak are the OG of the amateur media, amateur radio media. I mean, these guys were the precursor of where we are today um they they got us you know they they were the pioneers in uh moving forward and and using audio and um if these guys came along now i mean they would have just been with both feet and just going along so i mean i look at them as the pioneers that got the where we are today in the amateur radio media because there's nothing in it. There's nothing in it for people except no. their heart. It's their mm -hmm. heart. It's a soul thing. It nurtures their soul to be able to put things together and to put it out there. Content. You know, the fact that he can't see is just another layer of difficulty in doing what he did for 30 years. But the fact that you would attack doing um, content for 30 years, that's mm -hmm. a lot. That's a lot of time. And so there's a there's something in there that I'd like to get to and find out what that is. So tomorrow night we'll bring on Hap and his voice. As soon as we connect it, we connect it on Thursday just to do the connectivity as you would do. And as soon as he started talking, I was like, there it is. There's that voice. You know, mm -hmm. there he is. I'm so familiar hearing it. He's doing a classic rain report now. So if you, you do a search for rain report, You'll find it. And he sort of retired from doing it on the regular. It's more, you know, 
uh, bi-weekly or the archives are still there, but you know, he did it. And he, you know, this is before ham nation, you know, oh, we consider before YouTube and yeah. what we have this before social media, you know, we've always said ham radio was the original social media mm -hmm. and, uh, and they, they took it, you know, Hap, Bill and uh, others, they, they kind of got that path going for us and, uh, we're reaping, you know, what they sowed and, uh, it's great. I mean, I, I'm grateful for what they have done. And, uh, those years I, at Dayton, I'd see Hap doing his program there in the, uh, just outside of audio alley and just people coming in and out and doing his uh, broadcast and just standing there and, you know, watching him operate was just amazing. And, uh, yeah. little did I know that, you know, he would be an influence that he is today, yeah, I mean, whether he knows it or not. So another part of this aspect is paying tribute. It's just paying tribute to the people who laid the bricks. I mm -hmm. mean, they're the ones holding up a lot of these YouTubers and, you know, I compared it to uh, in the pre-show, the pre-pre-show, when I was meeting up with Steve before we even went live. Imagine all the great ball players: Stan Musial, Brooks Robinson. Um, you know, they pay. They made a hundred thousand dollars in their day a year, so they played twenty-one seasons. Both of those guys played twenty-one years, so they they just went over a million dollars. They're historic Hall of Famers, unobtainable numbers by most stretches. You fast forward to today, the guy on the bench is making a million dollars who's backing up the mm -hmm. catcher in the bullpen, you know, and so and he might play a game or two and that's it. Yeah. He goes, he fills in, he may get cut, but you know, he gets paid. And so those old timers, those, the, the ones who laid the bricks, you know, you've got to tip the hat um, to the work that they put in and, and, you know, and in some ways they could see it a little clearer than we did. You know what I mean? We, we got technology and YouTube is a big thing and streaming is a big thing now, but imagine having to send off your tapes, you're recording stuff, you're recording on tape. You might be cutting and splicing, delivering the messages through answer phones, you know, the YouTubers and the people who are creating content today. I mean, I, I consider myself a streamer and a content creator. Uh, more so than just a YouTuber, uh, but you gotta you gotta pay respects to. You know, we got it a lot easier. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you're flicking, switching, blue. You're streaming, yeah. and here's your face, and then you're. What and do you have anything to say? You know, like what are you gonna say? What's your content then? These guys had the content, and mm -hmm. the delivery method was harder. I mean, they were the ones going three miles in the snow with no shoes. Uphill, both directions. Uphill, both directions went up. It was up just, there. and then they, I mean, it's just the grief these guys took. And I was like, what the hell are you doing this for? This is amateur. I mean, it was just, I remember this static Bill got for uh, doing, you know, the Westlink report. And uh, it was the haters. I mean, it was brutal. It was absolutely brutal. And these guys, they, they kept their head down. They kept moving forward. And they've, they made that path for us. They laid those bricks, as you said. Yeah. And now we're, we're reaping it, you know, the efforts that they did. So, so I'm taking know. it back. I'm taking it back and we'll talk. I mean, I'm interested in the media landscape anyway, but you know, to talk to the people who were doing it, 
you got to pay respect, get their story out there again. So I, I can't push them forward and inject them, especially when they're retiring, but you got to pay tribute. Exactly. Show respect. And that's what it's about. That is the spirit of radio for me. Well, thank you, Steve. We've done it again. We've fooled them. We've put several asleep. I uh, saw Ricardo <laughs> said, I'm going to take my nap. So we're kind of like the perfect yep. little Ricardo, little Ricardo. You know, got to rock yeah, him out. The caffeine has worn off, and now they got the sleepies. <laughs> I'm, I'm sleepy, yeah. This is nice. His voice is so nice to sleep, too. All right, guys. Well, uh, 73 for now. We appreciate you. Like and subscribe uh, if you like to. Hit the notification bell. And we'll see you back here tomorrow, 7 o'clock Central. Kick off yep. the net. We're going to break in a new op, which is always fun. He's got a great sounding station. And we'll stream it out here. And then we'll go over and talk to Hap. No big deal. We'll have a lot of fun. 73 for now, friends. 73, Steve. We'll talk to you seven again. 73, Christian. Soon. And 73, everyone. Thank you for being here. To join the 100 Watts in a Wire community, visit 100wattsinawire.com.